You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius podcast. Well, it's so it's uh, it's interesting that we would be honoring our Grace teams today as we're in this study of the Book of Esther. Because today we're going to talk about this: the difference that one person can make. And that's what's happening every week here at Grace Covenant, what people are making a difference with their lives as they're parking cars, as they're changing diapers, as they're making coffee, um, as they're serving at the Neighborhood Care Center. I could go on and on. People making a difference with their lives. Well, as we're in this uh, study of Esther, that's what we find here is, is um, a woman who was brought to a position of influence and leadership in a pretty amazing way. Uh, and through that... She was willing for God to use her life to make a difference in the crisis that was happening. We'll get to that more in just a minute. But last week, Pastor Stan laid the foundation for this, this uh, study, and I want to pick up there. Also, I want to say, if you were not here last week, we have put together a devotional guide to go with this series. Our, our teens, our children, we're all in the same book together. So this is a guide that you can take. And as a family, you can kind of work through the book of Esther. Different pastors on our staff were a part of producing this. So I would encourage you, if you were not here, please pick one of these up so you can kind of use it as we go through the book of Esther. Also, if you were not here, we encourage you, please read the book. Just a few minutes. It won't take long. It's an amazing story. And don't just read it as a historical event. That's That's what it is. But I would encourage you to read the book of Esther thinking about how God might want to use you as he used Esther. Because that's when the story becomes really interesting. And what's interesting about the book of Esther is that nowhere in the book of Esther is God mentioned. Nowhere in the book of Esther is there a mention of prayer, like people are praying to God. Which is, I think, pretty fascinating. Actually, this is the only book of the Bible, out of all 66 books of the Bible, Esther is the only book in the Bible where God's not mentioned. However, it's evident that God is working behind the scenes. God is working to bring about good, even in the midst of the evil, though his name is not mentioned. And I don't know about you, but that gives me great hope. Have you ever experienced a time in your life when you're like, where's God? Come on, surely it's not just me. You've experienced a time in your life where it seems like God is absent and like everything's out of control. I mean, that's where Esther's at. Yet in the midst of it, God is working for her good, just as he's working for your good, even if you can't see it, even if it doesn't seem evident. You know, Romans 8:28 says that God, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. That was true for Esther. It's, it's true for you as well. So this morning I'm going to just do a quick summary of the book of Esther for those of you who are not here because the story won't make sense without a quick summary. So let me give it to you in, in 60 seconds. The nation of Israel has been brought into captivity as a result of the rebellion against God. Idolatry, rebellion against God. God says, okay, I'm going to send you into captivity. So as we come to the book of Esther, the nation of Israel is under the Persian rule. So the Persians are ruling over the Jews. 
There's a king by the name of Xerxes, and in the story there's also a prime minister by the name of Haman. Haman is the bad guy. Haman is the wicked guy who's envious, he hates Jews, and as a result of Haman's hatred of the Jewish people, he devises this plan, kind of deceives King Xerxes, he devises this plan where all of the Jews would be annihilated. Where like everyone, anyone could kill a Jew and it would be okay. And we think, wow, that's horrible. Let me tell you how bad it was. Historians tell us that at this time, if this edict had been carried out, that it would have been the death of almost 15 million Jews. Now, if you know your history, you know that during the Holocaust and the evil of of Hitler, that there were 6 million Jews who lost their lives. So think about this. 15 million Jews would have been murdered. Well... God has a plan. As I said, God's working behind the scenes. There's an orphan girl adopted by her uncle Mordecai who becomes, king, who becomes the queen, the king Xerxes, which that in itself is an amazing story. Like how does an orphan girl who's a prisoner become the queen to the king? I mean, you know, God can do amazing things, right? God can take situations where there seems to be no hope and he can bring hope. So he raises... Esther to this position of influence, and as time comes, she's able to go before the king to plead for mercy for her people. And what what would have been devastation become a place of blessing? What was a crisis was actually turned to an opportunity of great celebration. Again, God was at work behind the scenes. But what I want you to see in this, and what we're going to focus in on this morning, it was because one individual was willing to allow God to work through her life. It was through one individual that the difference was made. It was through one individual that a nation was saved. You know, I think it's easy, it's easy to underestimate the significance that one person can make to impact the community, to shape our culture, to make a difference in the world. I think oftentimes we're guilty of thinking, well, what difference could I make? You know, I, I don't have the right education. I don't have the right title. I don't have the right age, you know, wrong season, wrong stage. I mean, we come up with all these excuses and we think, well, I, I, I mean, I couldn't make a difference. And in that, what I'm convinced of is we sell God short. The God who's created us and the God who's placed us on this earth for such a time as this, the God who's given us great destiny, we try to convince the one who's made us why we can't do it. We try to talk God out of the very destiny that he has for us. Because I believe that God has positioned each and every one of us right where we're at in this time, in this season, to make a difference with our lives. Listen, God didn't save you to sit soaking sour. God didn't place you on this earth just to consume. He placed you here to make a difference with your life. And you say, well, I'm like, you know, who am I, Right? I'm the most unlikely of individuals. And one of the things that's fascinating about God is he chooses the most unlikely of individuals to do the most outrageous things. He chooses the most unlikely to make a difference with their lives. I mean, I was just thinking about the stories of this throughout Scripture. I mean, think about this. When God needed a deliverer for his people who were in bondage in Egypt, he chose the most unlikely, right? I mean, he finds a man in obscurity who's a shepherd, who's also a murderer, and says, I'm going to make you a great deliverer. His name was Moses. And if you read the story, Moses actually tries to talk God out of it. Moses tries to tell God all the reasons that he can't be a difference maker. 
Isn't that crazy? Here's the created telling the creator what we can't do. Think about that. God says, no, you're the man. If, if, you, if you read the story, what a difference Moses made. Became a great leader, a great deliverer. When God needed a military strategist, he didn't go to Saul's army. Get this, he chose a shepherd boy, the most unlikely of individuals. A kid, a kid to go out on the battlefield to face Goliath. And David be- became um, the great hero. He really turned the history of the nation of Israel And he was the most unlikely of individuals. He became a difference maker. Why? Because he was willing. Think about this. When when God needed a great apostle to take the gospel message to the Gentiles, he didn't go to the church. I mean, that's what you think you would do, right? You need a great Christian leader. Where would you go? I mean, I would at least think you start at the church. But God chose a Christian killer, not a church member. He chose Paul. I mean, talking about the most unlikely of individuals. I mean, here's an individual that's going from town to town, rounding up Christians so he can kill them. And God says, that's my man. I'm going to turn him into a great apostle. You know the rest of the story. Amazing. What a difference Paul made. I mean, like half of the New Testament we have was written by Paul. What a difference God made with with his life. And I believe that God could do the same in your life. And he will do the same in your life. The issue is is really never about our ability. The issue is about our availability. The issue is about our willingness. As we make ourselves available, it's there that that God does His greatest work in and through our lives. See, one person, one person can really make a difference. matter of fact, turn to your neighbor, tell them this morning, hey, you can make a difference. Go ahead and tell them, encourage them. You can make a difference. As you read throughout the Bible, what you discover is that God chose to use individual men and women to flow His power through to accomplish His purposes. They were not perfect people. They were just, get this, they were just willing people. Available people. And that's what we see in Esther's story. As she was willing to stand up and speak up, as she was willing to use her influence, God turned a disastrous situation around. What would have been the murdering of millions of Jews was actually turned to their good. So let's pick up the story, Esther chapter 4. There's a lot that's happened before chapter 4. Obviously there's a lot that happens after chapter 4. But chapter 4 is really the center point of the story. So I'm going to begin reading with verse 1 and just read a few verses. It's on the screen. You can follow along. If you have your Bible as well, you can follow along. But verse 1 begins like this. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes. So what's, what's he talking about? This is the edict. Haman had this whole plot of deception. The edict was to kill all of the Jews. Now Mordecai, I don't know if I said this, Mordecai was the uncle of Esther. He adopted Esther. Her parents died. He adopted Esther and basically raised her. Now she's become queen. So Mordecai, Mordecai learns of this disastrous plan that's been, that's been set in order. And notice what he does. He tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. In other words, it was crisis. 
So Esther hears about Mordecai, her uncle, sackcloth, mourning, and, and, and ashes all over his body. She sends the servant out to say, hey, go find out what the problem is. Like, he's wrecked. So they go out, and, and basically Mordecai tells the servant, hey, here's the deal. The queen's been protected in the, in the safety of the palace. She's not aware of this. But her husband, King Xerxes, is set for this edict. We're, I mean, all the Jews are going to be killed. And may she not forget, she's of Jewish descent as well. And Mordecai sends a message back to Esther to say, Esther, it, it, this is your time. This is your opportunity. Looking on down to verse 12, notice when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent in this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to the royal position for such a time as this. Verse 15, then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I'll go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. A pretty intense story. As a result of wicked Haman's plot, as a result of his hatred against Mordecai and the Jews, he, he deceives King Xerxes. There's this whole plot that's set out to destroy the Jews. Now at this point, Queen Esther, though she's a Jew, no one knows she's a Jew. Because Mordecai had told her, hey, keep it secret. No one needs to know of your heritage. So she's kind of kept it under wrap that she is of Jewish descent. But now it's time as God has positioned her for this whole thing to become known, for her to reveal that of, of her hair. So Mordecai basically says to her, hey, it, it's your time. It's your time to go before the king to plead for mercy and to plead for intervention on behalf of God's people. Well, to make a long story short, through a process of events, Esther does this. She goes to the king and, and pleads for mercy for her, for her people. And in Esther chapter 7, if you jump to chapter 7, we have Esther speaking to the king. Listen as I read just a couple of verses. Esther says to, to King Xerxes, he says, If I found favor with you, O king, and if it pleases your majesty, grant me my life, this is my petition, and spare my people, for this is my request. For I and my people have been sold for destruction and slaughter and annihilation. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet. But because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, who is he? Where is the man who's dared to do such a thing? And Esther said, the adversary and enemy is this vile Haman. But at this point, King Xerxes is livid. And he takes Haman and he has Haman hung on the very gallows that Haman had built to hang Mordecai on. Interesting twist of fate. God at work behind the scenes. And this whole plot of destruction against the Jews was actually turned to where the Jews could protect themselves. It actually became a day of opportunity for all the Jewish people. Rather than loss, it became a day of gain. Again, God working behind the scenes. But what I love about this story 
is that Esther was an orphan Jewish girl living in exile, talking about having the deck stacked against you. I mean, her parents died when she was young. She gets adopted into a family. She's, if you can think of it like this, she's in a prison. She's a prisoner in a land that's not her own. Yet she becomes the queen to King Xerxes over all the Persian Empire. By God's providence, she became the rescuer of her people. She went from being a nobody to a somebody, then a servant in God's plan. And then she became a difference maker. Because of her courage, her willingness to take action, she literally saved her people from destruction. From Esther's story, I believe we learn what's necessary for us to be a difference maker. So really quick this morning, I'm going to give you four attributes Four attributes of a difference maker. And it's all right here in the story. It's what we see in Mordecai's life. It's what we see in Esther's life. So what does it take to be a difference maker? The first is this. You have to care enough to get involved. That's always the first step. Why is it the first step? Here, It's really simple. If you don't care, you won't move. If you don't care, you won't get out of that soft pew to make yourself available to do something. If you don't care, you won't get off the sidelines and get into the game. So the first, the, the first thing that's necessary is what? You care enough to stand up to make a difference with your life. And that's what we see in the story. If you look back to verse 1, Esther chapter 4, verse 1, the scripture says that when Mordecai learned about the destruction that was going to be that, that was um, declared to happen, millions of Jews, what did he do? He began to weep and wail and mourn, sackcloth and ashes. And that gets Esther's attention, and he tells Esther what's going to happen, and she's wrecked as well. Because they care, they act. Because they care, they stand up. Because they care, they speak up. And like it was, the, again, the salvation of a whole nation of people. Want to be a difference maker? It begins with what? You care enough to get in the game. You know, I think of my friend, Justin Reeder. I love this story. Justin Reeder was a young businessman. No theology degree. Didn't go to seminary. Just running a business here in the city. 2014, 2015, he got wrecked. He and his wife got wrecked by this issue of abortion in our city. The result of that, they started a movement called Love Life Charlotte. We're partnering with it. It's the uniting of the church to take a stand against the evil of abortion in our city. For three years, this is the third year, three years now they've been mobilizing, uniting the church to be the church. To pray, to intercede, to stand in the gap on behalf of those who have no voice. Get this, to date, to date, over 170 churches have been mobilized. To date, over 1,300 women have chosen life. What the difference made by one man who said this, I'm going to take a stand. But it began with, they cared enough. They cared enough to get involved. They cared about the issue. And they said, hey, God, we're available. And it's amazing, amazing what's happened. Matter of fact, this Saturday, this Saturday is the 40th week, and they're bringing all the churches together, maybe five to 7,000 people. I'm going to be there. I would love for you to join me. And we're going to sing, we're going to worship. Why? We care enough to get involved. We care about the injustice of innocent lives being taken. So what? We get off the sidelines and we get in the game. Who knows what God might do when you show up? And we care enough. So first, to be a difference maker, you have to, you have to care enough. 
to get involved. I think the second attribute of a difference maker is this. You have to be motivated to get informed. In other words, you need to get the facts so you can best know how to respond. You need to get rightly informed so you can rightly respond. That's what we see happening in this story. I mean, Mordecai, Esther's uncle, is, is wailing and mourning. So what does she do? She sends a servant to get information. Like, what's the deal? So the servant goes, he comes back with the information and tells Esther all that's happening, but she gathers facts so she could know how to rightly respond to the situation. Because at this point, she didn't know. She had no idea what was happening. I mean, she's been living in the safety of the king's palace. She has no idea that this, this edict, this order has been set into place that would be death for her, death for all of her people. So what she gathers information so she can rightly respond to this situation. I remember 2001, I was flying back from Los Angeles. I'd been out in some board meetings and I'm flying back. And uh, as God would so ordered, I ended up in the seat that I never want on the plane. I was in the very last row in the corner of the plane. Get this right by the bathrooms. In my estimate, worst seat on the plane. And that's where I was at. But it was a good thing that I was there because I didn't know what God had in mind on that flight. And this is what happened on that airplane flight. I remember it just as well today as it was 2001. I'm on the back of an airplane and for some reason I just got wrecked. I got wrecked by the Holy Spirit concerning the issue of foster care and adoption. This is when Father's heart all began to take shape. So here I am, I'm a grown man, weeping, crying like a baby in the back of a plane, and I couldn't stop. I I don't know if you've ever had one of those situations where you're so emotionally overwhelmed that you're just out of control. That's where I was at. And I'm a grown man on a plane. Now at that point, I'm glad I'm in the back of the plane. It was embarrassing. But I I mean, the Holy Spirit just wrecked me. And I knew, I knew that I had to do something, but I didn't know what the something was. So you know what I began to do? I began to read books about foster care and adoption. I set meetings with four different DSS, Department of Social Services offices, in four different counties to talk with the specialists about foster care and adoption. I had to get informed. I had to gather the facts so that I could rightly respond. Want to be a difference maker? Wherever God's place, you've you got to get the information so that you can know how to resign. Here's the third attribute. You have to have courage to take action. You have to be willing to take a risk. Listen, as long as we just play it safe and look out for our own well-being, we'll never be a difference maker. You'll never be a difference maker. If, if it's just about you and your safety and your comfort and your happiness and you're not willing to risk, You're going to come into your life and say, happy life for me. I just live for myself. That sounds pretty exciting, doesn't it? No, but you've got to to be willing to to take a risk. We, We see this courage in Esther's life. After she gets the information, now she has a decision to make. Is she willing to take the risk? Will she have courage to act? Now see, in this time, you didn't just go waltzing into the king's presence. If you do any reading into the history of the Persian Empire, this King Xerxes was power. Contro- he was about power and control. 
I mean, he loved to have people bow to him. He thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Matter of fact, at one point he said, I am the king of kings and lord of lords. So you couldn't just come waltzing into the king's presence. You had to be called. Anyone who just came into the king's presence, uninvited, off with her head. I mean, it's serious business. And Esther says, if you read the story, Esther says, I haven't seen the king in 30 days. I haven't seen my husband in 30 days. Sounds like an odd relationship to me, doesn't it to you? I haven't seen him in 30 days. He hasn't called for me in 30 days. If I go into his presence, he might kill me. And Mordecai says, do you think God might have put you in this place for such a time as this? And I love, I love Esther's response. If you look back to the text, verse 16 she had called the Jewish people to fast. She says, when this is done, when the fasting is done, I'll go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. In other words, she said, I'm willing to put my life on the line. But she, she had the courage to act. She was willing to, to, take, to take a risk. Because she had courage to act, this whole evil plot set against the Jews by Haman was turned for their good. So when you have courage that this is what you do, you stand up against that bully at school. And you call wrong, wrong. When you have courage to act, you stand against the injustices of our time. When you have courage to act, what, you get off the sideline, you get in the game. Well, you don't just sit back and kind of take care of yourself. No, what you, you, you make yourself available to be a difference maker. You have courage to act. Here, here's the fourth attribute of a difference maker is, is you have to engage God in the endeavor. So, so in other words, you want to seek God for His guidance and His provision. And we make ourselves available, but it's God who does the work. And as we make ourselves available, God can do in and through our lives more than we ever th- would think would be possible. But we engage God in the process. We say, God, bring your direction. God, bring, bring your provision. That's exactly what Esther did. Although the name of God is not mentioned anywhere in the book, it's obvious It's obvious that she was engaging God in the process. That's why she called Mordecai and the Jews to fast. That's why she and her maids fasted. What they were engaging God in the process, and then she stood up to be counted. It was then that God began to open these unbelievable doors of opportunity. Before she knows it, she's invited right into the king's presence. There's a couple banquets that she throws and honor the king, and he loves it because for King Xerxes, it was all about him. A couple banquets, as it plays out, finally she brings her petition, and we see this whole situation is turned, not only for her good, but for the good of the Jewish people. What she engaged God in the process. So always remember, when it's, when it's your time to take action, when it's your time to be a difference maker, engage God in the process, and you'll be amazed at how God works on your behalf. You'll be amazed at how God opens doors that you could have never opened on your own. But you engage God in the process so that He could do His work in and through your life. An amazing story of one woman, an orphan, in exile, made a difference with her life. It was a difference. Listen, you can do the same. You can be the same. I want to leave you this morning with two truths, really quick, two truths to remember. 
first is this. It's not until we believe that one person can make a difference will we be willing to risk. Not, not until we believe that God would want to do it through us. It's that belief then that moves us to action. So, so let, me put it, let me put it to you straight and simple, as simple as I can. Quit being so careful about protecting your own backside. I could say it in another way, but I won't. We become so concerned and so consumed about what, what's, what's, what's my neighbor going to think? What's my peer going to think? Listen, quit worrying so much about what others think and become concerned about what God thinks. Because at the end of the day, what God thinks really matters. So we, we make ourselves available. We believe that one person, listen, that's what we see in this story. One person, Esther, made a difference with her life. Listen, same can happen in your life if we're willing if we're willing to take the risk. Here's the second truth I want to leave you with. Only when we move from the safe harbor of theory to the risky world of reality do we really make a difference. In other words, there comes a point where you have to stop talking and start doing something. There comes a point where you have to move beyond philosophy to like really putting your hand to the plow, rolling your shirt sleeves up, doing something, being active. Listen, it's the action that connects us to the reality of the pain, the suffering, and the hurt in our world. Listen, you can sit in the safety of a church building and talk about the hurting and suffering until you turn blue in the face, and it's not going to make a difference. It's only when we stand up and say, no, we're going to mobilize against the injustices of our world. We're going to do something about the pain and the hurt and the suffering that's happening in our community. When we move beyond theory to action, it's then that we become difference makers. And one of the things I've observed, and I've been in church all my life, been around Christians all my life. One of the things that I've come to discover is that we Christians are great on evangelical theory and theological theory and moral theory. But theory alone, hear me friends, theory alone doesn't change our world. Talk alone doesn't change our world. Debates alone will not change our world. It's when individuals like us are willing to stand up God might use us to make a difference in the world. I, I love what Nelson Mandela said, talking about a man who made a difference with his life. Listen to what Nelson Mandela said. We can change the world and we can make it a better place. It's in our hands to make a difference. Think about that. We can change the world. We can make it a better place. We can change our community. We can make it a better place. It's in our hands to make a difference. So Here's my challenge to you today. So don't go through life just focused on yourself and what you want. So God, hear me friend, God has placed you here for such a time as this. God has placed you at Huff High School for such a time as this. God has placed you at NC State for such a time as this. God has placed you at a race shop for such a time as this. God has brought you to retirement in this season in the neighborhood you're at to make a difference with your life. And don't be satisfied just to sit on the sidelines and watch it happen. Yeah, I believe that God wants to do greater things through this church, through you. But here's the key. The key is you. So it's not about God's ability. I'm convinced that all things are possible with God, and you are too. 
I'm convinced that God can open doors that no man can open. You are too, as he did for Esther. What's the key? The key is this. Are you willing? Listen, it's never about your ability. It's really about your availability. For some of you, you've been saying, well, I, 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 can't, I can't talk. I can't speak. I can't whatever. You've created all these limitations. And the funny thing is to me is that you, the created, is telling the creator what you can't do. When he's the one who's made you. And he's the one who's placed you. Listen, in, in the history of our world, God could have put you anywhere on this timeline. But get this, he chose to place you where you're at in this time, like Esther, for such a time as this. And my question to you this morning is really simple. Are you willing? And are you available? Because really, that becomes the key. Your participation in the process. That you would be willing to allow God to use you to make a difference. And sometimes I think we, we look at the problems of the world and we say, wow, so many problems, so much chaos. You know, what could I ever do? I don't know what you could do. I don't know what God might want to do through you. But this is what I know when you say, God, I'm willing to participate in the process. You'll be amazed. It may start with one child, one life to a second, to a third. Listen, you never know. I, I, I think of the Clantons. This is one of my favorite stories. Dr. Miss Clinton, 1937. Who would have ever thought, as they came to do a two-week tent revival, that it would end up being this, just one couple who made themselves available. And today we have Grace Covenant Church. Talking about a difference. I think of my own life. 1942, there was a lady who came to the Ozark Mountains and brought the gospel in that message. Her name was Martha Breckenridge. My grandparents were saved under her ministry. She mentored my dad. She taught me all the Bible stories I know today. I was taught by a, a lady who lived her life in obscurity, a little church of 40 people in the hills of the Ozarks. Do you think her life has made a difference for me and my family? Wow. And don't sell God short. Don't limit the Holy One of Israel and what He might want to do in your life for such a time as this. Oh Lord, thank You for this story recorded in history that so encourages us, that so reminds us, God, of Your ability and that even though You, you may seem absent, God, You're behind the scenes and You're working and then You're looking for individuals who would seem to be like the most unlikely. Like here's an orphan girl who's a prisoner living in exile, yet You raise her to a place of being a queen. Amazing! That she would then bring rescue for her people. That she would be a difference maker. And God, I don't think it's just Esther's story. I believe what was true of Esther, you want to do, Lord, through all of us in our high schools, in that, on that college campus, in that race shop, in that banking industry, in the marketplace, in our neighborhood. One life at a time, God, you want us to be difference makers. And Lord, the key is not whether you can do it. The key really becomes our willingness. The key really becomes our participation in the process. So Lord, my prayer for myself, for every individual here today, is that we would simply be willing.
and available. Because Lord, what I've come to discover, and I see it throughout Scripture, and I found it in my own life. When I'm willing to stand up, God, you show up. When I'm willing to speak up, God, it's amazing what you do. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want to ask you one question really quick this morning. If you're here today, and you would simply say, God, I'm willing to be a difference maker. I'm willing to be a participant in, in what you're doing in my school, in my workplace, in my neighborhood. Listen, again, it's not about your ability. It's not about how much resource you have. It really is about your willingness to allow God to work through your life to be a difference maker. So if you're here today and you would say, I'm, I'm willing, I want to be a participant, I, I want to be a difference maker, God, here I am. Use me. If that's you, would you raise your hand really quick? I want to pray for you. Lord, on the main floor, in the balcony, across this sanctuary, God, I pray for individuals. Because really, I believe, God, it's for such a time as this. God, you've placed them where you've placed them. In that marketplace, in that neighborhood, in that retirement community, in that high school. To be an Esther. To be a difference maker. So Holy Spirit, I ask for them, for myself, that you would empower us. Because, Lord, we're saying, here we are, use us. Open doors, bring opportunity. God, I thank you. I can't wait to hear the stories of what you're going to do. So through this group of individuals who are simply saying, here I am, use me in this time. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org. 